This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, the fan of beautiful Hales Corners, Wisconsin, a.k.a. Milwaukee. He is Ryan Horvath with the fancy bet banner behind him today. If you're watching yeah. us streaming live on the Odyssey YouTube, uh, Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Uh, if not, you can always go back and look at the fancy the bet banner that he has. Uh, normally, it's a refrigerator, and I was thrown off. I was like, whoa, where are you today? I didn't know where he was, but Ryan Horvath is back from vacation, and now it's all football all the time for Mr. College Football. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan. Horvat, how was uh, vacation and time away, Ryan? It was good. I just went back home, uh, went to the uh, Cubs, Braves, a couple of those games actually. But the first one I saw, they got destroyed. Nick Madrigal pitched the eighth and the ninth. But uh, it's funny because I went on vacation and I was pretty much ready to give up on baseball. Now I'm back and I'm back in on the season. Cubs only a game and a half back as we uh, tape this podcast. How nervous are you for your Milwaukee Brewers? Because here they come. No, it was a great vacation though. I, uh, Finish watching the Bear season two. Great show. I ate a bunch of Italian beefs. I ate a bunch of pizza. Went to a couple concerts. Went to a couple baseball games. Swam a bunch. Weather wasn't great, um, but you know it's good to be back. I'm excited for college football season. 19 days away only, Sparky. But uh, yeah, really quick. How nervous are you about the Brewers? Because Cubs are winning the division, probably the World Series. <laughs> I, I realize now that you're a front runner for Cubs. I, I didn't realize that before, but I guess I, I, I've now come to the full. You've been yep. done. You had not wanted to talk baseball, nothing about the Cubs all season long. And now they get hot since the all-star break. And now you're yep. like, oh, I'm all in on the Cubs now. I'm going to Cubs yep. game. I'm Mr. Cub. Shut up. Yep. Get out of here, front runner. That's fine. You can be a front runner. That's, that's fine. Uh, am I concerned? Yeah, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the Cubs. I'm concerned about the Reds. You know, the Brewers. Don't have enough hitting. I mean, that, that was a concern before. They picked up a couple of bats at the trade deadline, neither of whom are great in Santana and Canna. Um, we'll see how this goes. Uh, they just promoted a young prospect from double A AA to triple A, Tyler Black. This is kind of the same route they went with Gary Mitchell before they called him up at the end of August uh, last year. So maybe Tyler Black can come up here and give them some offense at the end of the month if he plays well at triple A Nashville. But they don't have enough offense. I, I guess that's my biggest concern. And their starting pitching hasn't been great since the All-Star break either. They're 500, um, but but they haven't played well. So we'll see. No. That's a long, a long way to go. I do know this, that Council's teams normally uh, get going at the right time uh, in September. Uh, the one thing that I didn't like with this new schedule was I don't like not facing the Reds the rest of the year. Like, or they're already done. Like yeah. I hate, I like it more like the NFL where you end your season against the division. That's yeah. how I think it always should be. And they screwed that up this year. And I don't like it. Yeah. Cubs are done playing the Cardinals now for the rest of the season. And like, this is like one of the only years where I want to play the Cardinals because man, are they horrendous. And 
Like, I don't have a hate towards the Brewers or their fans, but I do have a big hate towards – I won't even go to St. Louis. My my wife's friend lives there. I won't even go for her wedding or for, like, her kid's birthday party. I was just there this summer, dude. There is so much cool stuff to do in that town. I'll give you a list of cool no. stuff to do in St. No, Louis. And none of it involves going to the game. You don't have to go hey. to any games. I'm just saying, if you go there, I got a great barbecue place for you. I got all kinds of stuff. No, I hate I it. St. Hey, Louis is a lot of fun. Really quick, to defend myself, I'm not a, a bandwagon jumper or a front – uh, what'd you call me? A front runner? A front runner. Hold on. Let me defend myself. No, no, no. Cause I watch all of these games and I've watched them since I was born in 1985. So I've seen You've some not brought up the Cubs all and, season on this podcast. Well, cause I'm smart. And if the Cub fans <laughs> were like a bunch of yuppie dummies and stop going to the games and doing the bear snake when we're 14 and a half games out of first place, then the management like, you know, uh, I almost, well, Ricketts, I almost said Theo Ricketts and Jed Hoyer. Then they feel the pressure. You're a big market team. Act like it. There was no reason to sell at the deadline. Now extend Marcus Stroman, extend Cody Bellinger, act like you're, you know, go out there, sign Shohei Otani, act like you're a big market team. But no, these dummies, it's like a concert. You know, it's just people go to Wrigley for the atmosphere. Like, no, no, no. Oh, they're going to put out a crap product. Stop going to the games. Bitch about this team. Complain uh, like a real fan would. Dude, you think in New in New York, Yankees fans in the postseason last year were booing Aaron Judge. He had just broke the American League home run record. I understand. Right in Boston, same way. Like, that's the thing. I'm sick of these Ryan, free you, like, I you, can't wait to talk about family night and Jordan Love because I got some bad news. I'm not carrying but water. Ryan, this is, the, this is the thing, though, Ryan. You, you should understand you're a Packer fan. Wrigley's no different than Lambeau. Like, people come for the experience. They don't come for the team necessarily all the time. The reason why you have 65,000 people at family night is because people can't, don't want to pay the crazy amounts of money on the second and third market for Packer tickets in the regular season. It can't get tickets. So, okay, I'll go to family night because I want my kids to say they were at Lambeau inside. And even if it was a practice, the kids will remember that. And when they get older, maybe if they're on the wait list, by the time they're like 70, they can actually get a ticket to one of these games because the wait list is so long. But it's the experience. I guarantee you at Wrigley Field, every time the Cubs play, I bet you there's at least 10 to 15% of those fans are there either for the first time uh, or if it's not the first time, it's second or third time, but they're from out of town coming back. Uh, and a majority of them probably aren't even Cubs fans, but they're just there to say they've been to Wrigley Field and check it off the bucket list. Well, the team was terrible growing up, and we had season tickets. I went every single day, dude. I was there for Brent Brown and Kevin Ory Day and, like, these guys that nobody – like, Corey Patterson. Kevin Ory was supposed to be really good. About, right? Like, yep. and so I went to the games, and – but the difference was – I wasn't there like, oh, it'll be fine, and go, Cubbies, go. I was there like, God, this team sucks. And if it wasn't for Sosa, I wouldn't even want to be here. And I would complain and, like, beg for the front office to I do believe something. That. Like, that's 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 the difference, though. Like, these happy-go-lucky people, they drive me nuts. It's like the people like Brewers, get, Brewers fans get mad at Cubs fans, and they're like, these guys, uh-huh. they don't know anything about baseball. They jump up every time the ball yeah. like, is in the outfield. Like, I agree with the Brewers fans. I hate the Cubs fans, too. I'm just – I was cursed. I didn't choose the Cubs life. My dad and my grandfather were Cub fans. I went to Wrigley Field. That's the way that it goes in my family. You don't just yeah, say, you oh. Got stuck. You got and, stuck growing up in Illinois. And I could root for the Brewers growing up. A, to remind everybody, my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, right, the great Earl Gillespie, was on the call when the Milwaukee Braves won their first and only World Series, mm-hmm. right? And so I was able to root for Milwaukee because you guys were in the effing American League. You came to my right. division, right? 
Like my I dad was a Brewers fan. fan. Yeah. My dad was a Brewers fan and Cubs fan growing up. We watched both teams all the time because my dad rooted for both teams. And then when the Brewers came to the NL, he said, I don't care. I'm still rooting, as he called it, the Cubbies, and still does. And my seven-year-old is a Cubs fan now, so he's been a joy to live with here the last couple of weeks as the Cubs have been yeah. on fire. Uh, okay, let, let's talk about the Green Bay yeah. Packers, please. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I watched family night. Granted, I did not watch it live Saturday night, getting ready for a baptism party and the whole deal on Sunday. Uh, so I watched it Sunday afternoon. And as we're recording this Monday, uh, a little after 12 o'clock central time, I watched it and I don't know if I liked or disliked what they did before it was just, you know, play by play. Like it was a game and it's practice. And they're telling you who caught the ball, who threw the ball, who's having a good camp, blah, 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 blah. This time they had a three box screen on the one side and it was Larry V on the top. Then Larry McCarron, and I don't know if I think they were in the same room, either that or they just had different backgrounds, but I think they were in the same room. Uh, and they had a headshot talking like we do here for our podcast, right? But it's one on top of the other stacked on the left side. And then they brought in different interviews throughout whoever it may be, right? So they had Mark Murphy in, they had uh, all these different people that were popping in throughout the broadcast that they would interview while practice was going on. And then they take a couple seconds, get you up to speed on what you're watching. And then they go back to doing the interviews. Like I said, I don't know if I liked it or disliked it because the problem is you don't know a lot of these training camp numbers because there's so many freaking guys. So, yeah. okay. So Heath, this, this young undrafted rookie that everybody's talking about, the wide receiver, had a big play, sure, for sure. Uh, but you don't know what his number is necessarily. So you have no idea. The guy takes off. Who the hell was that? And, and yeah. then they eventually say who it was, um, which is fine. But that, that, I think, threw me off a little bit. For the most part, I liked it. Jordan Love. And the question is, what's your optimism level, you know, concerning Jordan Love? Mm. I was texting with a buddy of mine Saturday night who was watching it. And I said, how did Jordan Love look? And he said, oh, he looked okay. I said, did he throw any picks? He goes, nope. I said, did he throw any that bounced off a defender's chest that the guy dropped? He's like, nope. I was like, okay. He goes, but he goes, he missed some throws. So I watched it yesterday. He definitely missed throws. I mean, Dobbs and Alexander beat by step, step and a half, like beat. Uh, and he overthrew him by, I don't know, yard, two yards uh, on that play. Now, he overthrew a couple of guys early on. As it went on, he settled in, and then he wasn't missing the throws. Well, Floor, after the game, when talking to the reporter, said he thinks it was just adrenaline. Like, he was out there. He was a starter. Everybody was kind of pumped up and he had to kind of bring his level down. You know, Brad Favre back in the day, man, he thought his first ball would always go sailing over a wide receiver or running backs head into the, the sidelines because he got himself so amped up. The cool part was that I thought was cool. After the practice was over, they were still on TV for another half hour. So then Kuhn is on the side or on the field, John Kuhn. And he brings over Matt LaFleur, talks to Matt LaFleur. Oh, we have the best fans. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. He walks off. All right, now up, QB1, Jordan Love, and this play, Lambeau Field goes nuts, like cheering and cheering. Kuna had to sit there and just kind of wait because they were going nuts. And you could see Jordan Love, like, this is awesome. Like, this is pretty cool. It was a very cool moment, and Rodgers didn't get that. Like, Rodgers never got that moment when he got his shot because everybody, well, not everybody, but half the damn state was against him because of the whole way Brett played out. So he never got that moment. So that was cool. It was cool to see Jordan Love kind of feel the love a little bit like, okay, these fans kind of got my back. You know, I don't know how long that's going to last, but as of right now, they kind of got his back and are good. 
the Christian Watson play, obviously over the top, making that circus catch everybody saw on social media, uh, was a great throw by Jordan Love. Great catch by Christian Watson. I, my optimism level is pretty pretty good right now. I'm feeling pretty good about things. Uh, I still think he's going to throw double-digit interceptions. I still think there's going to be a game or two where he throws two or three picks in a game. I think that's going to happen. But I also think there's going to be games where he's going to throw three or four touchdown passes too uh, and look ungodly good. And everybody's going to be like, damn. I think there's going to be that type of roller coaster throughout the year with Jordan Love and his young wide receiving court. So I, I'm feeling pretty good uh, about what I see from Jordan Love. We'll talk about the joint practices and the Bengals coming up here in a little bit. Optimism level concerning Jordan Love for you, Ryan Horvath. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I want to be positive today because I feel like sometimes I'm negative. I've been really positive around Jordan Love. You know, the reports, the things I'm hearing, they don't make me feel overly optimistic. I have to be honest. I just think that it's going to be, I mean, there's going to be some growing pains, which we've said the entire time. Like you said, there's probably going to be some some solid performances. There's going to be some bad performances. We're going to find out, can he read an NFL defense? He's going to make some throws. He'll probably throw some bad interceptions. Uh, But it's just... Like the nicest thing I could say right now is I think he's the fourth best quarterback in his own division in the NFC North. I like Justin Fields better. I think he's going to have a monster year. I think he's, I think the Bears are going to be a sleeper team in the NFC North. I continue to say that. Um, I don't really like Jared Goff, but you know, Jared Goff almost took the Lions to the playoffs last year. I just, I haven't seen enough of Jordan Love, man. Like, I don't overreact to training camp stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. do this every single year. We do this with young players. Jamar Chase can't catch. See, that's the thing that I don't understand about you. You know, we've seen that? Justin Fields. He sucks, and no, now he, he gets a wide receiver in DJ Moore, and now it's like, well, problem solved. He's going to be an MVP. He's going to be all that in a bag of chips. Sure, okay, maybe, maybe DJ Moore makes him Joe Montana, like Jerry Rice made Joe Montana. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. I've seen enough of that dude to know he hasn't played worth a damn since he's been in the league. Like you said, I haven't seen hardly anything of Jordan Love. Give me a full season of Jordan Love. And if he looks like Justin Fields did after a year, people will be calling him a bust. It's done. Draft a new quarterback. He never got over 200 yards, but twice in a season. Get rid of that bum. He's horrible. Jordan Love. Fields does it, and it's like, oh, hell, he's going to be unbelievable this year. I can't wait. Based on what? What are we basing it on? Because he stunk the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of, I, I, but like, I'm a college football guy more than an You're NFL. You're basing guy. it on Ohio State. Yeah, he makes every single throw. Like, he had an offensive line there. He had protection. He played behind the worst offensive line in all of football. He was sacked over sixty yep. times, and he was playing. Let's be honest. Like, I didn't like the offense the first eight weeks of the season. The offense when finally they asked him to started throw. clicking a little bit when they were like, "Hey, dude, 
You know what? Just run. take off, F it, and run. And he's like, can't he's, throw. Like, he's got to run. Like football player. Go back and watch that game against Miami. Mike McDaniel's on the sideline. Just like, he's like, just leave us alone. Quit it. Like, I know how explosive he is as a football player. Now you add two offensive linemen. You draft one of the better offensive linemen, you know, in the first round. You add one in, you add DJ Moore. You give him some actual weapons. I think DJ Moore is good. He's a stud. You know, but same thing, like Jordan Love. Here's the thing, man. I just, it's got to be like a short leash with Jordan Love if this team isn't good. He gets a year, and you got to see some really good flashes, I think, because he's playing behind a really good offensive line. I know that there's some question marks, right, on the offensive line. We they don't know weren't who the good hell last year. going to be. But you have David Bakhtiari, and you have Elton Jenkins, right? I know the wide nope. receiver really is young, but, man, Christian Watson really popped off the last eight weeks of the season. Romeo Dobbs, everybody keeps talking about Romeo Dobbs. I love to read it at Michigan State. I like – out of all these tight ends, man, you got to find one that's at least NFL caliber, right? Like everybody was all high on DeGuar. I hated that pick. I get he's like your H back. But one of these kids has to take off whether, you know, and so I just feel like we can't make excuses for Jordan Love all season long. I don't care if this team wins three games. Like the Packers, I don't care what Adam Shine says. If the Packers win four games, but Jordan Love throws more touchdowns than picks, you know, and shows that he could read an NFL defense and shows flashes, it's not on Jordan Love. They won six games year one with Rodgers. That was a pretty decent team, but the defense stunk. I still, that's my big question mark, man. I love Jair, but I I saw the clip and when you're getting beat, and I know it's family night, but when Romeo Dobbs is beating you, I'm having like flashbacks to that first matchup against Justin Jefferson and uh, Terry McLaurin tearing him apart. Like I love Jair, but let's be honest, there was some regression last year. Sure. There's a lot of talking going on, but that's my biggest concern. It's the defense. Jordan Love to me is still a question mark. Love what I saw that first year at Utah State. And then it wasn't really fair to judge what I hated when I saw the second year because he was playing behind a terrible offensive line. The skill position players weren't great, but he was just they playing a lot of ball. And I feel like if things go wrong, like if the defense is bad and they're playing from behind a lot, we might see a lot of like effort. For sure. Ball. So I just yep. want to see him play within the offense. Also, I want to see what the offense is. That's I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see what LaFleur's offense finally looks like. We know what the Aaron Rodgers offense looks like. So – it's just hard for me to be optimistic when it's like I'm watching Adam shine and he's, you know, reading tweets from Matt Schneidman and then Schneidman's walking it back. That's the other thing about green Bay media. I love all these guys, man, but it's not like New York or it's not like even Detroit where if Jared Goff looks like crap, these beat writers are going to be like Jared Goff looks like crap. I don't know what it is, you know, but I feel like there's a lot of homers in the Wisconsin media and everybody's like, I never said that. I never said Jordan love looked like crap. It's like, you just said he missed three throws in a row, though. So, like, what are we, the people that aren't at training camp, going to think when all we read about, all we hear about is how in- how inconsistent this kid looks? And let's be honest. And, like, again, Jordan Love is not a rookie, dude. He's been sitting for three years. Well, by he's, definition, he is the same age, um, a rookie star. Justin Herber and all these kids that we continue to be in yes. Joe Burrow, and we're like, how many MVPs is Burrow going to win? How many MVPs is Herbert going to win? You know, Tua, Tua, they were Dolphins were nine and one when he started last year. So we can't make excuses for Jordan Love just because it's his first year as a starter, because it's his fourth year as a pro. Rodgers didn't get this leash. Like you said, we boot him on family night, half of the crowd. So that's because of Brett Favre, not because of what he looked like. I'm not going to pan because of Brett Favre, not because of what he looked like. And Rodgers was god awful his first two preseasons in the NFL. Thank God he was behind Brett Favre or he wouldn't even be in the league wouldn't have been in the league that long. I can promise you that he was going to get his head beaten. So either way, I'm optimistic. You're not. That's fine. We'll see how this goes. But you are a thousand percent right on this. It's a question mark. 
I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Packer fans don't know what's going to happen. So we'll see. But I'd love to ask Gutekunst, do you have another team NFL history that has gone in with this much inexperience at wide receiver and tight end on the same team into week one of an NFL football season? Because again, Mercedes Lewis, who signs with the Bears, made no effort, none. No effort to bring them back whatsoever. No, we're not doing it. We're playing our young guys. Okay. How about a better wide receiver? Nope. We're playing our young guys. Just, just flat out refusing to do anything to help. They don't have a backup quarterback. And then they're going to go in again with Clifford, the rookie quarterback. He's going to be their backup. They cut Danny Etling. Okay. I, I To me, I don't know. Like if I was Matt LaFleur, I'd be like, I want an extension and I want it now. If I'm going to have to play with all these young kids on offense, that's fine, and I'll make it work. But I want more than one damn year to figure this out with a bunch of guys I don't know what the hell they're doing. Because as he has said, and others have said, tight end's a tough position to play. You got to know everything. Not only like a wide receiver about you know the routes you got to run, but you got to run block. You got to pass block. You got to do this all this other stuff. And there's going to be growing pains. There just is. So, I don't know. We'll see. It, it doesn't really? feel like Goody's about winning this year. I think Goody's about developing this year, and then next year he wants to see the step in winning. Can I say one more thing? Here's why I'm not overly optimistic, because like I was in a decent mood in June and July when we were doing the podcast. Now we've been talking about this team for so long, and we haven't seen any actual football. And all I keep watching, man, like I watch you know, the Hall of Fame game, and there's my guy Rodgers. He looks great. He's showing his leadership. He's helping out Zach Wilson. Jets are signing every free agent off the street, Adrian Amos. And I'm just like, and then I'm like reading these reports about Devontae Adams, and I'm like, he's still a top three receiver. And what pisses Jimmy me G off is like five egos, picks of practice. All these stupid egos got in the way. And like us as fans, we had all these nice things. You could complain Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl, but I'd feel a lot better going into the season with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Adrian Amos and Alan Lazard sure. than I do with all these yeah. kids. Dude. So I just feel like the Super Bowl window wasn't closed, but stupid egos got in the way. Devontae should have been taken care of a year ago that had nothing to do with he he wasn't sure about Rogers future it had to deal with he wanted to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league the same thing with Tyreek Hill the same thing with all these dudes they want the money if Devontae got the money and you said hey man we know that you're not due up for a year we're going to take care of you right now he would have signed and then Jordan Love his first year even if Rogers is gone he goes cuckoo rides off into the sunset Jordan Love's thrown to Devontae Adams yes best receiver yep. in the league so, like, that's why I'm not excited about this season because everybody carries water for Brian Gutekinds, but why? Like, all of these first-round picks on defense have either regressed or they never showed up. They were never any good. This was supposed to be a top-five defense. That's Gutekinds' defense. Why do we? Why does everybody love this guy so much? I don't know. Anyway, go on. I mean, I know he found Elton Jenkins. I, I'll say this. Devontae Adams' fall from grace is coming. I'm glad he got his all-pro last year without Rodgers because, again, it's only training camp. But by the sounds of how Jimmy G has looked horrible, and I mean horrible, I don't think he's going to have the same type of numbers again with Jimmy Garoppolo, which then will lead to what? Diva. Hey, I got to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I, I My parents and grandparents, they, they saw me play. That's good enough. I'm good. I, I want to move. Can I move to New York, please? I'd like to go to New York. Mark my words. At the end of this season, he's going to ask for a trade to the Jets. Watch. That Maybe, will happen he's, because he's going to have a horrible year. No, he's not, though, Spark, because he had 100 grabs with – Brett Hundley is the worst starting quarterback in NFL history. I, uh, Scott Tolzien was pretty bad. Brett Hundley was really bad. Even a if Jimmy is coming off an injury and he's terrible, he's going to find a way to get Devontae the ball, or they're going to just like put in 
you know what I mean? Like Devontae's the one dude who's produced with with bad quarterback play. Anytime Rodgers got hurt, he was the one guy, you know? I mean, that was why Jordy wasn't back. I mean, everybody said he lost the step. Well, yeah, he right. lost the step. But also, he was catching ground balls from Brett Hundley his last season in Green Bay, dude. Cobb wasn't very good as a number one wide receiver when Jordy got hurt. But Devontae, no matter what, always puts up numbers. So I think he'll still have over 100 grabs. But I agree. I think, like, oh, he wanted to go back home. Oh, he wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. He's going to want out. He's he, he's not going to – it's going to be a mess there. But anyway, yeah. It'll be his last year. All right, let's move on. Topic number two. Do you like the competitive periods that Matt LaFleur added to training camp? Now, why is this an issue? Well, because there's been all this publicity, and rightfully so, because the media is keeping track, as are the players, of who's winning these competitive periods. And they predetermine what period is going to be competitive. So it could be the two-minute drill, right, where they got to get downfield in so many seconds and so much time on the clock, you got to get a touchdown or whatever it may be. Maybe something else earlier in the practice they deem as a competitive period. And then whoever loses has to do some type of calisthenic punishment, whether it's up-downs, push-ups, whatever the case may be. And the Packers offense lost their first five, I think, and then won their last one, I think, uh, leading up to training camp or leading up to family night practice. Uh, and then there was a whole giant Alexander running his mouth and Aaron Jones and all this other stuff. So as pointed out by Ryan earlier in the podcast, then this uh, Adam shine character uh, starts running his mouth about how Jordan love is horrible. This Packers offense is going to be deplorable. Um, it's going to be, and he's reading Matt Schneidman's all of these things that Schneidman had said about the Packers uh, and kind of going off to which I don't know if you saw the Devondre Amb- Campbell uh, response uh, oh, yeah. to me. I don't know, man. Like, I don't see any point in giving this dude more love uh, if you're Devondre Campbell, because that's all you did. This dude, Devondre Campbell retweeted what he said, uh, Adam Shine said, and it got 2,300 reposts, 421 quotes, 18,000 likes, 211 bookmarks because of Devondre Campbell. How many people would have paid attention to this nearly as much if Devondre Campbell wouldn't have jumped on this tweet? But he goes after him and he rips him, referencing Steve Harvey and a whole bunch of other stuff and rips uh, Adam Shine. If you don't have the competitive periods, none of this is brought to anybody's attention. Nobody really knows what's going on because nobody is following every Packer beat reporter. But when you start doing that type of stuff and Alexander's going crazy, you're drawing attention. Then you have Jordan Love, who after they lost her fifth straight, pretty much said, this is frustrating. We got to figure this out on offense. I'm sick of losing, blah, 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 blah. So now you got up into his head. Now he's thinking about this whole thing. And I understand competition is something you want to have. The more times you can have competition, the better is the view of coaches. And I get it. Um, They did not do this with Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is not doing pushups. Aaron Rodgers is not doing up downs. If his offense loses a period, there was no way. LaFleur said that he's, they did this in Atlanta with Matt Ryan, who was really good at that point when LaFleur was there, they went to the Super Bowl and they did it back in Atlanta. So he's had this in his back pocket since Atlanta. Never put it in while Rodgers was there. Never brought it up. Never even became a thing. Rodgers is gone. Young team. Now we're going to roll this out and we're going to do this. I'm guessing LaFleur will do this kind of going forward. Do you like the competitive periods that Matt LaFleur has added to training camp practice this year, Ryan? Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, because this is a young team, man. And I mean, other a lot of guys... I want to see other guys. I mean, for example, like the safety position, who the hell are the starting safeties once we get to week four? I know who the starting safeties are week one, but are they going to be any good? 
So I feel yep. like everybody out there is really trying to earn a job. And this is a young team. And also, like, it's like when Brady left New England and now Rodgers has left Green Bay. Like, Belichick was like, oh, this is my team again. You know, and that's what LaFleur, we're finally going to see not only his offense, but him run a team. Because let's be honest, like, especially last year, Aaron Rodgers was the head coach of that team. We're already seeing that in New York, man. Um, that's why Hackett's there. So I like the competitive periods. I know, you know, you worry, obviously, is it going to rattle a young player like a Jordan Love? But, you know, what's going to rattle a young player like Jordan Love is when he's thrown to the Wolves week one of the NFL season. You know, when he's out there going against the Saints defense early on in the season, a top five defense, uh, tough road games. Uh, So, hell, week one against the Bears is going to be tough, man. A huge divisional rival. I know that we've owned them for the last decade plus, but this is a different team. So I like it. Uh, it's going to show, you know, who's mentally tough, I think. And also it shows like, you know, I want to see like, I want to see just like toughness from the players and the defense this year. I want to see some toughness from LaFleur. Every time after a big loss, he takes the podium. I feel like he's going to cry. Oh, Aaron Jones didn't get the touches. That's on me. Of course it's on you. You're the one calling the plays or it's on Rogers for, you know, changing the plays at the line of scrimmage. But I just feel like, you know, all the tough losses in the playoffs, the 49ers, you know, every time Green Bay loses, it's because they're soft. They're not physical enough. They're not tough enough. So that's what I want to see, like, this team change, like, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, that's always been the story. You know, the Packers have always been talented but soft. So I want to see some toughness. Yep. Maybe, maybe that's what this brings here. Uh, but I do get, like, what you're saying with the young player. You know, who knows, though? Maybe this is a good – maybe the defense is just really living up to the hype this year, and they're actually Well, the be- defensive line, from all indications, uh, are playing much better. And – McCarron brought it up during family night that TJ Slayton, he feels, has taken that step from year two to year three and has really uh, taken that next step to be really to being really good. Devontae Wyatt has had a really good training camp to this point as well. Haven't heard as much about Kenny Clark, but we know he moved positions. Uh, and then these two draft picks they brought in, Walden and Brooks, I believe, are the names. Um, th- they're playing apparently really good, too. So we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing goes. Uh, let's move on. Topic number three. What are you expecting for the Packers Bengals joint practices this week? You bring up physicality. A lot of times when you have these joint practices, Ryan, you see fights. Yeah, you do. And, uh, you know, I know some guys aren't fan of the joint practices. I don't mind the joint practices. What I wonder here, though, you know, what you worry about, obviously, is injury, especially when the intensity picks up. You like it because in training camp, like if, you know, if you play football, you get so tired like, you know, you brought up Jordan Love struggling in these competitive drills. Well, like the defense is seeing the same offensive looks. He's seeing the same defensive looks. There's so much familiarity. And I get that you don't want to show too much to your opponent here. Um, but it is, you know, an AFC opponent. And so it's just good to get out there and hit different guys. Rather than David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark going out there and battling every single day and hitting each other. Now you get to go out there and hit somebody from an opposing team. Um, I think it's really good. I think it builds chemistry. Uh, you know, even if there are those fights out there, it's you rallying with your teammates going at it against another team. I wonder, though, what the intensity is going to be like, man, because the Bengals have had a rough training camp already. Joe Burrow might not be ready for week one. Jamar Chase is saying, hey, even if you have to sit out until week four, I don't think they're going to want a whole lot of injuries because this is kind of like a Super Bowl or bust season for Cincinnati. I know they think they're going to be able to make Burrow the highest paid quarterback, pay Jamar Chase and pay T. Higgins. What are they going to have on the defensive side of the ball? Like they Nothing. might have Rodgers had then, you know, for 10 years and he'll never win a Super Bowl. Um, 
But yeah, I do like it though, because of what I said. It's these guys get to go out there, they get to hit different guys. Jordan Love gets to see a different defense. Kind of look wish the defense would get to see Joe Burrow. Now you're gonna see their backups there. But uh I'm excited to read the reports from this. Hopefully nobody gets I want to see well, and again, it's in Cincinnati, right? So it's you're not at yeah. home. So now you get to go on the road for the first time with these rookie tight ends, couple of rookie wide receivers. You get to go go be somewhere else, stay in a hotel, that whole deal. And you're going to be there for a while. You're not coming in day before the game and then going to play a game. You're going to be there for several days, a couple days of joint practices and then the game. I want to see what Jordan Love does in the joint practices. I want to see if he does take chances, right? If he's going to try and force a ball in there and give that receiver the chance to go get the ball. That ball that he threw for the touchdown family net where Watson went up to go get it. Will he give his receiver the same chance against a guy wearing a different uniform? Will he throw that same ball risk knowing could get picked? My guy doesn't win the jump ball may get picked. You know, is he going to take those type of chances or will we see a more conservative Jordan love? And will we see all of a sudden see sacks? Uh, well, whatever sacks look like in joint practices, sacks piling up because he's not getting rid of the ball and he doesn't want to throw a pick. That's what I want. As I think he's going to be like bread, not give a rip. And he's just going to throw it. And if he throws picks, so be it. He's going to come back and he's going to do it again, but he's going to try and make plays. That's what I, I want to see if he tenses up now that he's the starter or will he play loose and just let it go? Yeah, I'd rather actually see him just go out there year one and let it rip. Like, I don't care so much about the interception numbers, right? I want to see... You know, can he make every single throw? Um, and because it's going to be interesting, man, because like you bring up Brett and we compare him to Brett or even like a Mahomes where maybe he's not, I don't want to say he's not the smartest quarterback. You know, he's not um, like Rodgers or Peyton Manning, you know, where he could just dissect the defense yet, but he's got a cannon for an arm. So I just want to see him go out there and just let that thing rip and not overthink it, especially early on and in the preseason, even those first couple weeks of the season. Um, just because, you know, like, you wonder watching Aaron, Aaron didn't want to take a whole lot of chances. Now, Aaron did play more hero ball last year. I think it was more like F it ball. Um, but I want to see, like, is he going to throw into the middle of the field? Because right. Aaron never really had solid tight end play other than Jermichael Finley in that year or Jared Cook. Uh, so I want to see, is he going to throw the ball in the middle of the field? Is he going to take some chances? Is he going to worry about the interception numbers like Rodgers did, take too many sacks, hold on to the ball for too long, or is he just going to let it rip? That's a really good point. And the only way we're going to figure yeah. out Really, what he is is against different defenses. Then that's the other thing we're going to find out. Luke Musgrave, who we know can run and we know can catch, is he going to get Jordan Love killed in these joint practices? Is he going to get the quarterback killed in these preseason games by missing a block or getting Aaron Jones annihilated or A.J. Dillon annihilated by missing a run block? That's, for me, what this all comes down to. Like, how good are these tight ends going to be able to block uh, at the point of attack? And then secondary will be, how do they do run their pass routes and catching the ball? But for me, number one factor in all of this, if they're both going to play, is you have to be able to block your position. If you can't block your position, we may see DeGuara more than we want. Well, and, and, and that's what I think we probably do see, and that's what you see in a lot of these offenses, right? Like, um, for example, you know, like Dalton Kincaid gets drafted by Buffalo. I think we're going to see like a lot of Dalton Kincaid in the slot. And I think that might be the same thing for Musgrave, maybe even Kraft. Sure. Like, you know, at times they might be like glorified wide receivers out there. And DeGuara is more like your H back, your, 
your uh, your Mercedes Lewis. I do think we're going to see a bunch of Deguara. I don't think he's going to go out there and catch 65, 70 balls. I think that's going to be one of the rookies, if anybody. But I do think we'll see him a lot because of his blocking ability. Like, that's the one thing that Deguara does know how to do. And I completely agree. You know, you're probably going to have to have him out there because Jordan Love, you don't want him getting killed the first couple weeks of the season. I don't like any of these backups. I don't care what any of the, what, what anybody says about Sean Clifford. I'm sure he looks tremendous in shorts and shoulder pads. I've seen enough Sean Clifford the last eight years of college football to tell you he's no good. And Penn State fans will agree with me. Nice shot, eight years. Okay, speaking of college football, let's end with some college football talk, even though this is Curtin Lund, because Ryan Horvath's a college football guy. you got a college football show coming up uh, this yeah. season as well, right? People can hear it on 1250 AM, The Fan. Uh, when is that going to be, Saturday mornings? Yeah, Saturday mornings, 9 to 10. Well, 8 to 9 Central time, 9 to 10 Eastern. Right, 9 to 10 Eastern. Yeah. Still, yeah, so I'm that's going to be great. I hate time zones, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be an hour long, and we'll get all of the uh, picks in. We're going to do a college football roundtable. I'm really excited. And I know it'll at least be started by week zero, which, as I check my clock right now, 19 days, 15 hours, 22 minutes, zero seconds on the dot. Such a dork. Uh, okay, let's talk about college football realignment. Because yeah. we knew USC and UCLA were coming to the Big Ten. Not a big deal. Uh, but it was always two teams on the West Coast. That's it. So they're going to have to travel all the way out here for soccer or for baseball, for all these other non-revenue generating really sports. Basketball, okay, they bring enough money in. Football obviously is the king. But that's that's a lot. Well, now here comes Washington and Oregon to join the Big Ten fray in 2024 right away. So they have one year and they're out of here and they're going. Meanwhile, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are all headed to the Big 12, which now leaves like nobody left in the Pac-12. California, Washington State, Oregon State, and Stanford. Those are the only four teams left in the Pac-4, as we say right now. And will they all still be there? Will they end up in the Mountain West? Where will these schools all end up going forward? I heard somebody this morning uh, talking about Stanford, maybe they go independent like Notre Dame and try and make their own schedule and let Stanford realign with another conference for all the other sports, but like Notre Dame does. Uh, but in football, they stay independent and try and do it that way. Who knows how this whole thing goes? Uh, your thoughts on all of this realignment that's happened in the last four or five days? I hate it. I mean, I just hate what's happening to college football. It's not really going to be college football anymore. And it's funny because you know, we've always asked for like a minor league system for the NFL because uh, you've had years where like Leonard Fournette was a monster as freshman year. Jadeveon yep. County was a monster as a freshman, you know, and we're like, wait, this guy has to go back to college for another year. Why? He's NFL ready right now. That's really what this has become, man. Like NIL money. Um, I think these Florida schools like man, Central Florida, I think is going to be a juggernaut now in the Big 12 because everybody like already you're going to recruit from a really good Florida pipeline. And if you're going to make $3 million of NIL money, you're going to want to keep the majority of that. So you're going to want to go to these Florida schools where you don't have to pay taxes. But the Pac-12 is dead. And it sucks because I get it. Um, You know, the Pac-12, they don't play any defense. We always rip the conference. We never want to see a Pac-12 team other than USC in the college football playoff or they'll just get absolutely demolished by an SEC school. But I've always been a big Pac-12 fan. I love Pac-12 after dark. I love betting overs at 1 a.m., you know, staying up until 2 a.m. watching West Coast football. The quarterback play is excellent. 
I mean, it's a shame because, like, look at the teams this year. Washington could be a college football playoff contender. They have Michael Penix. USC has Caleb Williams, the best quarterback in the nation. Oregon's going to be really good. They have Bo Nix coming off his best season. You know what I mean? Oregon State's coming off a 10-win season. I really like their head coach, Jonathan Smith. They bring in DJ, who I know he wasn't great at Clemson, but um, I always thought it was a really fun product, and now it's dead. And you bring up a really good point. I mean, and the other thing really quick on that is, like, rivalries in college football are dead. I hated what they did years ago. I'll never forget, like, the last time I could watch Michigan-Notre Dame, my favorite rivalry growing up as a Notre Dame fan, my wife went into labor. I was like, today of all days? Like, <laughs> come on, man, this is the last one. But it's ruined rivalries. And now people will always watch college football. We'll still get great matchups. You know, these Big Ten matchups, primetime, Wisconsin, USC, we'll all be watching. It'll be fun. Cowherd tweeted about it the other day. People will forget all about it. There's so much money involved, and that's why everything's changing. Um, but I hate it. I guess as a traditionalist, as an old school college football fan, but you bring up a really good point. Like we're talking about college football, but nobody, you know, in college hoops, but nobody's really talking about like college volleyball. Like when Minnesota has to make the trip to go play USC and make that bus ride because the money is not being pumped. That's being pumped into college football where these teams are taking like jets, man. Like these are bus rides, crappy bus rides. And these are winter sports. Some of them cold weather, uh, weird i don't love it but i knew this is where it was heading because of money but i don't i personally don't like it do you i think what's going to happen is you're going to see a reduction in all these sports some of these sports are going to become club sports eventually yeah a lot of like rowing and some of these other things that are that are lettered sports and so forth i think they're going to end up going back to being club sports again and they're just simply going to justify by it we can't afford to send you on a plane for a rolling competition and then ship the boats or whatever it is that you're doing uh, that whole deal. Like I, I, I don't, I think it's bad news and everybody keeps wanting, you know, the, the Badgers to get baseball. I think this just further puts a stake in the, the opportunity for them to get baseball at this point, because I do think we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I think in the next five to seven years, you're going to see sports starting to get slashed at a lot of these power five schools for football and basketball. Uh, because of the expense to go play some of these West Coast teams that are out there. Because I, I something else that we haven't brought up, Florida State, they're not staying. I mean, if you think they're staying in the ACC, you're crazy. And if Florida State goes, I bet you Clemson goes with them. And if Clemson and Florida State both leave, where are they going? Are they going to the SEC? Are they going to go to the Big Ten? Big Ten has nothing down there, nothing. If you're the Big Ten and you're trying to make this a national deal, don't you need something down south in SEC country that you can call yours, that you can get the Big Ten network into those houses in Florida, uh, in the Carolinas, because you have their schools now? That helps yeah. recruiting. That helps money. That helps sponsorship. That helps boosters. That that helps everybody involved to have schools down there. The SEC already has that, that, that thing. To me, that's a bigger play for the Big Ten to get schools down there out of the ACC than it is for the SEC. I think just ultimately it becomes like, I've been saying this for years, it's going to be like the AFC and the NFC. It's going to be the Big yep. Ten, and it's going to be the SEC. Because the SEC is right. never going anywhere, man. That's that's where they care and they love college football, too. Like, even when I was – I mean, even like that was the problem I had when we were doing radio in Milwaukee. Like, not everybody cares about the Badgers. And Madison, obviously. And, I mean, there's tons – don't get me wrong. There's tons of fans. But, you know, people don't love college football the same way that I do. You know, or the same way that they do in Alabama and Georgia. Like you go to Tennessee, Ann it's a whole different world. Ann Arbor, you know, it's a whole different yep. world. 
You know what I mean? Like nobody cares about Rutgers and Northwestern and some of these schools. So I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, just go to National Signing Day. That was never a thing in Milwaukee. Still isn't, really. But if you you talk to people that worked in Ann Arbor, like Josh Vernier, who was here, and Mike Wicket, like it was a damn holiday. I mean, their whole day would be spent out on remote at a bar going over all these signings and yeah. people would be going nuts. It was a whole big deal. They come here and they're like, nobody cares. Mm-mm, nobody cares. Like, yeah, just comes and goes and people move on with their day. It is completely different. There's no question. Now, Luke Fickle, maybe he changes that because maybe he starts bringing in higher caliber player and, you know, he's in these battles with Alabama and so forth and starts winning one or two and people get more amped up for that day because they get higher level recruits. But until we get to that point, I still yeah. think that's going to be a tough sell to get Badger fans all riled up for a, a national signing day. Well, and the other thing is like, and it's not just like, I shouldn't just throw Milwaukee under the bus. It's Chicago too. Like you have Northwestern, you have Illinois, you have these schools, but nobody cares. You know what I mean? Because there's too much to do. Like in Chicago, you have the Cubs, you have the White Sox, although they both usually suck. You have the Bulls, you have the Bears, although they both usually suck. You have a bunch of activities like Milwaukee. You know, we got the Bucks, you know, even though the Packers are in Green Bay, we have the Packers. That's what we care about. You know what I mean? There's just, there's so much to do. Whereas in the South, that's what they have. That's what they live right. for. Oh, even like yep. Big 12 territory. That's why, like, you know, there's so much money involved. But Texas, they belong in the SEC. I mean, they don't, but they do. It's going to be so weird, though. Everything is literally going to change. We're going to be telling Ryan, our Ryan, ask me this. Now, for, put aside that it's a, a complete disaster at Northwestern right now with all this stuff. Put that aside. How can they possibly look at what's coming into this conference and go, Oh yeah, we'll compete. How? How are they? I, I, I'm serious. Like if I'm right. Northwestern, why am I staying in this? I mean, I'm staying because of geographics, but now I got to fly all the way out to the damn West Coast. So now, does it really matter what conference? To me, there are certain schools that are just screwed in this whole deal. And oh, yeah. Northwestern is one of them. They went from not having a lot of chance, even though they had a good head coach who apparently was doing a bunch of bad things, but. With Fitzgerald, they had a chance. They'd go to an occasional bowl game. They might even get to a Rose Bowl, and you had a chance. Now, they have no chance once this whole thing comes together. None. It's like it's over before it starts. How are they going to compete recruiting against? Already, like, they already struggled, right? Like, the thing about Pat Fitzgerald, yeah, it turns out he's not a great guy. was doing some bad stuff, but he could coach the talent that he was given, right? Because... How are they going to compete with their academic standings going out there and recruiting now, dude, against USC and against Oregon? It was already a hard enough like to keep these kids in the Chicagoland area. Like Illinois has the same issue and they don't have the same academic standards, right? And they can't recruit right. the same kids because kids want to get out of Chicago. Kids want to go and play in the ACC or in the SEC. But now with their academic standings, like you said, they're going to stand no chance, and they're not going to be able to go out there and recruit against Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa. If you're in like if, if you're in the Joliet, uh, you know Lake Lawn, Lamont, Bolingbrook area, you don't want to go and play in Champaign or for Northwestern, even if you have the grades. You know you, you'll go play yep. in California. I know Stanford; it's been a mess there, but you'll go anywhere else. You're not going to want to go to any of these schools. So yeah, teams like Northwestern screwed. Rutgers. Screwed. How's Rutgers going to compete in the Big Ten? They already couldn't compete. No idea. In the Big Ten. Maryland could barely compete in the Big Ten, and now you're yeah. adding all these like powerhouses. You know, you're going to have Lincoln Riley going out there and recruiting. I. What's going to be really interesting is to see 
what happens with Ohio State? Ohio State's always going to be able to, you know, recruit, obviously. But what they've always been able to do is get all this talent and then beat up on all these teams from the Midwest, the Iowas, the Minnesotas, the Michigans, even, you know what I mean? Now, let's see if Ryan Day is going to be able, be able to do the same thing against the well, Lincoln Rileys. And, uh, you know, this is my thing. I don't, I don't think Lincoln Riley is long for college football. I think Lincoln Riley's out of USC within the next two to three years. Maybe this offseason. Maybe he's gone before they even get to the Big Ten and he gets that NFL head coaching job. He has another big year there uh, at USC and they win. Somebody in the NFL is going to give that dude a lot of money to come coach their football team going forward. And the USC wasn't jack between him and Pete Carroll. UCLA and Chip Kelly, big whoop. I mean, that, that doesn't scare me at all with Chip Kelly there. So I, th- my thing is USC could be like Nebraska and just fall off into the oblivion. Once Lincoln Riley heads for the NFL, UCLA hasn't been anything for a number of years. And then Washington. Yeah, okay. They're on the rise. They got the kid from Indiana panics at quarterback. Fine. I'll give you that. But is that sustainable going forward? Don't know. Uh, and then Oregon obviously has the Nike money and so forth to keep themselves in it. Uh, and they're good. I guess these four teams don't concern me all that much. Once Lincoln Riley is out of the picture. Once he's out of the picture at USC, then we'll see if USC can keep that going. Ryan Day at Ohio State, I think he's there as long as he wants to be there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, well, I don't I think, think there's right a ton here. of pressure. Yeah. I, I mean, it will be interesting, though, if they lose the Michigan three straight seasons, though. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not. Yeah, you're right. Which is crazy. Like, last year they lost to Michigan, and they still should have beat Georgia if that kid makes that field goal. Bad memories. Sure me. would have. Field goal kickers are the best. He has Ryan Horvath. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvath. Bet MGM tonight, weeknights, uh, right there on your BetQL radio network. Him and Nick Gashu and Trista Crick. Uh, and, of course, you can download Curtin Long Podcast Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast. And we normally have it downloaded by 5 p.m. Central time. Of course, you can always watch it on the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for checking us out. Toodles.